1: I'm Liz Warner, and you're listening to DubLab, community-supported radio based in Los Angeles. Brothers Brian Eno and Roger Eno began recording music together nearly four decades ago. But it's only been in recent years that the two have made their first full collaborative album. They have spent the last few years exchanging communications, musical postcards of sorts, which took full form as the album Mixing Colors just before the pandemic took center stage. As the pandemic started to take hold in 2020, the duo gave fans the opportunity to create visual responses to the record in an online project called A Quiet Scene. They received over 1,700 submissions from visual creators around the globe, which have been showcased online. Taking the project a step further, The Music Center and Dublap have joined forces to offer the first ever public outdoor art installation of winning entries from A Quiet Scene that are showcased at the Jerry Moss Plaza in Los Angeles through February 21st. This conversation finds the brothers very much at home, reflective of their art and the times and full of brotherly banter. The interview was conducted remotely between Los Angeles and separate locations in England. I'd like to welcome Brian Eno, Roger Eno. Thank you very much for joining us today.
0: Hello, Liz. Hello. Thank you.
1: Hello. So you are brothers. This is obvious. This is clear. What has taken so long for you two to finally complete a full collaborative album?
2: How many jokes do you want?
1: As many as you've got. Okay. Well... <laughs>
2: We, we were celebrating yeah, yeah. quite um, early on, and we've we? also got very different. We've also got tangential careers to music. Like I'm a full-time bus driver. Yeah, um,
0: and I'm a butcher. Those two things, you don't. There's no, not really much me no, sometimes
2: meet. <laughs> I, I'll pick Brian <laughs> up and take him to work. But that's kind of the limit of until Zoom came along. That's really all we saw of each other, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, and then well, occasionally, except when I did was delivering. Sausages yeah, which, and he, he makes and he great sausages.
2: On. So that's really, I mean, as you might know, mixing colours was made at a dif- a distance, that um, which only could only be done when the internet came. So before the internet came, we hardly ever spoke to each other, because Brian's scared of buses. So you know, I'll pick him up, but he's not comfortable, so he doesn't like really talking on them. Yes, yeah, so that's the kind of limit. So that might <laughs> that might answer your question.
1: You too. You're so funny that you remind me of when I talk to my siblings, and and we just automatically go straight into our into our jokes. And there's this certain kind of familiarity that you have between one another. Yes, that is really difficult to replicate with friends that maybe you've just met. Only with the very best of friends, sure. can you really get to that place. That's
0: right. That's why brothers and indeed sisters and siblings can sing well. Right. Because, you know, they, they have a lot of things in common, even including physical things. That's why we used to call ourselves the yeah. elderly brothers. But, but now Roger's got a new name <laughs> for us. Which is the
2: self-righteous brothers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and more, And more of this humour. You, have you actually ever sing together? Yeah, yeah, we do.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. When? But what I'd, what I'd really like to do is to, to make it a kind of um, a real sideline that we do it in village halls. Do you know, like little local places where people go, kind of community centres, so that Brian and I could go there? Because we've got, we've got music that we like very much that we don't release. Like, for example, country music. I'm a big fan of folk music. I like 1930s jazz. These sort of things are lovely. And and lots of people like them as well. Um, So I'd quite like to go. And we wouldn't have to particularly do it in disguise, to tell you the truth, because, I mean, people around here kind of know what we do. No, they don't, Don't do they? They really don't. You know, we could be like car mechanics and we'd have the same emotional impact (laughs) as we have.
1: Well, it goes to show you, though, if you are into the music and the expression of music, I think you're right. You can take it in just about any direction. And I personally would love to to, to stop by somewhere, you know, stop by a restaurant hall or or something like that and and see you playing, because I think that that would express yet another side of what it is that you do.
2: Yes.
0: Well, what, what we seriously did think of doing, we talked about this this year, the year that's just gone. Sorry, because we were doing some cycle rides together with a, a third friend called Dom Theobald, and we realised that we, on bicycles, we could probably do about five villages mm. in a day. We just stop in and do five or six songs in each one, you know, taking advantage of local events that were already happening, like fates or yeah. garden parties, or whatever, just. Steam in on our bicycles. Don't perhaps not even stop and That's dismount. Exactly. Just circle round. The, the car
2: park singing.
0: <laughs> I think. Yeah, I off. think that would be
2: so lovely. I mean, there's a lot. A lot that I really like. Um, I love going to flower shows in the summer here. There are lots of you know people make that like homemade cakes, and you'll have a similar thing in the states, but you'd have to probably look for it. Actually, I don't reckon it will be in downtown. LA, I think it'd be. Oh place. yes,
1: um, yeah. So we have about lots of different things that that go on like that, and and activities, and and even things like this amazing exhibition that's coming up too, right? Yeah, that's Which right. is a, another form of a public meeting. Yes.
2: Yeah. yeah. On, a, on a serious note, that is one of Brian and I, um, my own um kind of interest is community. I wouldn't say work, but I, I think. I think community is a very important thing and it's not, it's never stressed by um, a government. You know, it's kind of left alone to either work or not. And it only works if people are active in it.
1: Which is a really great time to have the kind of activity like that. Um, These isolated times, the, the pandemic with this kind of exhibition which you know i i i'll skip over some of the 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 mixing colors questions because i think that's a really important important thing to focus on there are a lot of steps to get to this point and i think when you started mixing colors which was many years ago so so you could not have have seen in the future mm-hmm. that a pandemic would be taking place that you could bring mixing colors into a situation where not only you would have people collaborating from around the world, making their own videos, but then putting that further into the most accessible public situation that you can have, which is out in a public space sure. in a big city like Los Angeles. And, and suddenly here we are. And I mean, could you have imagined a better exhibition not knowing a pandemic was around around the corner
2: from my from my point of view looking at the um the plaza where this thing's going to take place I mean it's 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 beyond great it looks so such a great super thing and the bit the, the bit that I like about it particularly apart from the the openness of it is that people can just drop in and walk around and talk to each other and And leave when they like. I like that very, very much. One of the, the, I tend, when I play solo, I tend to um, talk perhaps a little bit too much, but it's to um, kind of put people at at ease. So the music that they'll hear, although it's quite sparse and um, I don't want them to take it as a precious thing. I like the idea of people being able to speak quietly to each other or get up and have a piss when they need to instead sort of sit there and sort of feel that they're trapped. And this place that you're putting this on seems ideal for that, where people can walk and hold hands together and just feel at ease.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, in, in a way, you ideally want to make a situation where the music is there and people can engage with it or not engage Mm. with it and, and not feel, not feel that either of those choices has any pressure on it, you know? So I I always hated sort of concert halls for that reason that, especially in classical music where people can't even spit or cough or, you know, no sound is allowed. It's all considered to be a disturbance to the music. And so to try to make music and present music in such a way that it's, just part of a public mm. space saying so just one of the ingredients in a public space like the re- the other people are like the lights yes, exactly. are and so on that's to suit this yeah. music I
2: think I mean that's a that's a way <laughs> Brian and I think about what a use of music is and one of the uses that we're not mm-hmm. interested in is it it being a focal point not for our own music I mean Brian as a producer I think would be because the people that he works with often mm-hmm. Um, that's their objective. But in his own work, his, his is something that sinks beautifully into, and I hesitate to take, say the background, because it has a big effect on the, the ambience, the atmosphere a place. I've got similar um, mm. leanings to that, less pronounced perhaps, but I, I, th- I think that's an a, a essential ingredient. And touching on the, the classical concert hall, a place that seems like it's been deliberately designed to make people feel uncomfortable. It's actually, a, a lot of it is playing music that wouldn't have been listened to like that anyway. It's like sticking a, it's like something in a zoo, you know, because the, the music, like Mozart, that would have been like music you'd hear when you're eating. and But now it's, in, it, it's like in mm. aspic, it's, it's something so precious. You've got to sit there and bow tie to hear it and it's ridiculous
1: so has that has your viewpoint evolved over the years when you think about when you started many years ago and that experience of of listening to music and putting on a, a performance it sounds to me almost as if it has evolved for both of you
0: well yes i mean my first performances were you know very standard there was a stage and there was an audience. And um, and ne'er the twain would meet. Though, of course, in pop music it does meet a little bit more than in classical music because people throw their underwear onto the stage, for yeah. example, as a as a as a crude way of breaking down the barrier between artists. That and it's public. all right, but it's when um, we
2: get up to wash it that kind of ruins the <laughs> the flow a bit, doesn't it? <laughs> so, yeah, back to the. Um, so for myself, and I'm uh, the, having that um, put on a, in in the class was just a, a dream. It's just great. Looks super. In fact, I was thinking about flying over to to be there to get a, a a bit of experience. Can
0: Can I take this opportunity to say thank you to all the people who were involved in putting this on? That's well? a good thought. Because neither neither Roger or I have been there, of course. So we've we've only seen it in in holographic presentations uh, and things like that.
1: I mean, it it's, it's seems like it's unlikely that you would even be able to get here at all to see it.
2: I, I think that, well, I wouldn't feel, that would
1: be able to, sorry. Go
0: ahead, Brian. I, uh, yeah, I was just gonna say that would be difficult because neither of us are good swimmers.
1: <laughs> oh my. <laughs>
2: I didn't realize until B threw me out of the window that I could fly. Have you ever tried?
0: No, no, I never did. No, did it work?
2: Well, it, it, I wouldn't say it worked. I was just getting the hang of it, and then I
1: hit the ground.
0: Yeah, it's the landing that's the difficult oh, it's part. A the flying, yeah, easy.
1: <laughs> so, what is it that you that you do hope people take away from this exhibition? I, I know you mentioned about people being there and experiencing it together. There's a lot to take in. There was a lot to take in when a quiet scene also appeared as well, with nearly two thousand entries, which probably completely threw you off in a great way, right? And now it's it's been let's call it whittled down, but still a lot to take in for about a hundred entries. What what is it that you're hoping that that people take with them?
0: Well, you go ahead. Laura. Yeah,
2: thanks. One of the things that I like the idea of is that um, that people think they can add to something. And this actually, I think, came, you know, it's not like our invention by any means. But, for example, YouTube. YouTube might have been one of the things that started this off, where people would take a piece of music that they like and add their own visuals to it. And normally the visuals have been either nicked from Game of Thrones or something like this. But, you know, it's the the idea that I like is that it opens up the art world to people that don't necessarily think of themselves as artists. So they think, here's a nice scene and here's a piece of music I like. I'll, I'll marry the two together. And to be able to share that, I think is a good thing. You know, it doesn't have to break any um, records, beauty records, but I think it's a valuable thing to be able to do.
0: And and I think some of the results have been really lovely and very, very surprising. I mean, there there, there are quite a lot that are fairly similar to the films that we originally used when when we released the album. all of which were made from the windows of moving trains, actually, but shooting in slow-mo, yeah. so the, the movement very graceful and slow. So so that was how it started. So we, when we first presented the album, um, those videos attended it at that time. And then when we asked other people to, if they would like to make some, for a start, we got 1800 responses, which, which is pretty amazing mm. 1800 films um, but the other thing is that quite a lot of them were not at all like the films we put out and right. that was that was really really interesting i thought there was there's one in particular i remember i don't know whether it's i think it made it to the final 100 it was just a picture of looking out of a window at what was obviously evening time some you know low light and there wasn't much outside the window, but the curtain just kept moving Right, slowly. It it was really, really beautiful with the piece of music that it belonged with.
1: There are many soundtracks in a way, right? Because both of you have been so involved in soundtracks. And so suddenly you have these mini soundtracks to, to the works that you put out.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was such a nice project altogether because wouldn't it be nice if that happened with everything you ever released? Yeah, Suddenly yeah. it yeah. came back to you with this additional layer added on, you
1: know? And you had a very specific directive with, with this when you when you put the call out there to focus on one specific scene.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What was the idea behind that at the time?
0: I think it was because it came the, the films we originally made were all like that. They were all a single scene. Now, because they were shot on trains, the scene changed a little bit, but they were a continuous shot, basically. I think that was the intention, to make a, a continuous single shot. I always loved those feature films that are made with one camera shot, like um, that Russian film um, and the the one I saw recently was called Victoria. Did you see that? It's a German film. No.
1: I haven't seen that yet.
0: Uh, it's such a good film that nobody's seen it. I'm I, I always trying to persuade people to watch it. It's the, a film of a heist and it's shot over a two-hour period in Berlin between four in the morning and six right. in the morning. And it's a single single shot, but it's an, a real action film. There's an incredible amount of action. There's Bank robbery and all sorts of things happen within this film. Um, So, yeah, I'm always happy to give a bit of promotion to that film, Victoria.
1: I can't imagine Victoria Victoria from the mountaintops, right? I can't imagine the amount of coordination that that would have taken. Two hours in Mm. action.
0: They they had three chances to do it, so they rehearsed for about a year in a, a warehouse somewhere. They rehearsed the whole thing, um, and then they managed to get that part of Berlin closed for three nights. For that period, four to six o'clock in the morning, for three three nights. So they had three chances to shoot it, and they had decided that they weren't going to intercut between the three versions. So, so it had to be whichever was the best of those three nights. <laughs> Pretty exciting. Isn't it?
1: Which is a very different process from what you had making mixing colors over several years.
2: (laughs) Yes. Before we go off the visual track, um, one of the things that I kind of hate are quick edits in film, um, where it's kind of chop, chop, chop as quick as you can. This is the absolute antithesis to that because it's a single scene with no edit whatsoever. It's also very; it's, they're also short pieces, which is something I like because I don't really like concentrating on things. So nice and short, no edits. I'm a happy little bunny.
1: There is, I think, an art in simplicity, and sometimes that is more profound. I think when you see that, and these are moments. That deserve profound reflections.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think if you if you have a functional view of, of your work, which I do. By functional, I mean I want it to do something. I I don't want to just make it for me. I if I release it, I, I release it because I want it to do something to mm-hmm. somebody to to be something in their lives. So so one of the things that people never seem to have enough of and I include myself in this is things pieces of art that tell you to to not do much yeah, to just surrender and to let something happen to you um, now it's, it's very easy for an artist making things to impress themselves with their skills and their techniques and sure. how clever they are and and a lot of people seem to do that. That's what their art seems to be about. It's about um, some sort of athletic c- competition that they feel they're part of with themselves. And I don't know that that art is all, always very interesting for people to watch or listen to. It's, it's interesting to make, but it isn't that interesting to hear. Yeah, yeah, just-
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well ultimately art and music which is art as well is about a form of communication if it's if it's done correctly and and that interaction I feel is very important which is another reason why this exhibition is such an amazing thing because there is is a great amount of interaction and not only is it an interaction but it is the ultimate public space it's the ultimate public art you do not need a, a an entry a ticket to enter. You do not even need to know who Roger Eno and Brian Eno are. You need feet maybe to get there or some kind of method of, of arriving at the space and and hopefully vision to to see as well and ears to hear. And it is it is the ultimate open to all situation which is exactly what we need right now because not only is it the ultimate accessible art but it might be in some cases one of the only accessible art experiences considering the the pandemic so it it seriously could not be timed could not be timed better could not be planned better
0: yeah well nobody expected the pandemic to last this long of course particularly president trump who thought it would be over at the end of the first week of march or something um, yes, rare. But He
2: was wrong, actually. It's it one of the made, made one of his rare mistakes. Yes, he? yeah. It's a, it's a strange. You wouldn't have thought a man of his um, intellectual caliber would have made a blunder like that.
0: No, no, I know. It's Quite disappointing. I think he was probably misquoted, actually.
2: Yes, I'd put, I'd put it down to the media.
0: Yeah, media. Yeah. Uh, it,
1: it's exactly. So, no, it's so sad though how 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 things have have come about and and the pandemic has gotten so out of control and we've lost so many. Um, we lost Harold Budd related to COVID. And, you know, he's someone that I know you worked with him, yeah. both of you. And and it's such a great loss. And he would no doubt be there at the exhibition. Were you here?
0: I'm sure, yes. Well, Phil Spector actually died the day before yesterday as well. Also from COVID, I think.
2: Hal Wilner was a friend of mine that went early on, New York. Um, yes, it's but you know, and that's one area. That's that's only the musical area, isn't it? All the all the others. But it's not only that it was um it was a disease, It, it was how or it is a disease, it's the lack of willingness by libertarians to actually think for a moment that the state has a use this, yeah. this this is a big thing that people didn't want to use the power of the state because they'd have seen it be seen as socialists and that that does annoy me more than slightly
0: and, and it's not coincidence if you think of all the countries that are doing worst in this pandemic they're all countries with libertarian leaders basically mm. countries that that believe government should stay out of things and that have a sort of sort of a form of authoritarian democracy really yeah like yeah. think india brazil uk usa and some somewhere else well, there's another one a fifth to that indonesia
2: right right
0: um, they they all have the same kind of government they have these macho guys in power, who think that by the sheer strength of their will and charisma, somehow the disease will be frightened off. Well, Um,
1: this comes at a very interesting time in, in our history, because we are making a transition in presidents as of Wednesday, hopefully peaceful. And then when your exhibition, when your installation goes up, that will be a new era, and this next president believes in taking a much more hands-on approach to trying to end or at least subdue the coronavirus.
2: It's also, it's it's so um, kind of heartening to hear the next, uh, the the next president can speak. You know, I mean, there was, it's true though, isn't it? You know, there's almost the ability of communication was lost, which is a, I heard Obama on um. On BBC, it was, uh, I think maybe, is, is his autobiography out or was this a while ago? It was, it was talking about and reading from his autobiography. And it was just so refreshing to hear an eloquent person because there was this, this stuttering idiot, which, which, you know, the world deserves better, frankly. Mm. It's,
1: I think, impacted art though too in the artist world and I think with what you've done with a quiet scene has also opened up a lot of doors for some of those artists to have that expression because in addition to just the installation itself what we talked about that that almost you know completely accessible situation or not even almost but for the art world you've opened a lot of doors for artists, for people to express themselves, it's almost—it was almost like an open source sure. kind of situation. Yeah. Have you thought about that?
2: I well, you go ahead, Brian. Well,
0: I, w- I was going to say we—we we didn't expect it to be such a success. We didn't expect so many people to no. to, want to take part in it. So, so it—it it was really—it started out as quite a small idea, and because of the number of people who took part and the quality of what they did it became a much bigger idea than than it was at first
1: it could very well contribute to ushering in a almost a new era of, of art i guess is is what i'm trying to to get at based on the responses of, from the pandemic and maybe people reassessing their lives and what it is that they're yes. doing and what it is that's important
2: there, there are also there are a number of ways that you can act politically um and one is shouting and one is whispering and brian and i are generally when it comes to our art we're generally whisperers you can change by being quiet you know it's quite an eastern way of looking at things um and I think post-pandemic, it will be seen that people want more of that. They thought, "God, do you remember that when there was no traffic on the roads and we could go out and go walking again?" There'll be a kind of yearning for um, perhaps a less, certainly a less frenetic life.
0: Yeah, this this is what I really hope. I, th- I think if there's if there's any good that comes out of the pandemic. It will be to show us that we don't need to be buying things all the time. Yeah,
2: yeah. To
0: show us that the thing we like most is each other's company. <laughs> to, show, to show us that um, the people we pay least are the people we most value. Yes. You know, we've had this awaken, awakening in England here that the whole NHS, where people are paid generally pretty pathetic wages, Um and who are, of course, the most important people in the country right now because they're the ones who are working to heal us and save us, they get paid the most pathetic wages. Mm. Um, and £9.41 an hour for a, a starting nurse, for example, I found out yesterday. And so we, I think we could really start to think, who actually are the essential workers?
2: Yes. Yes.
0: And, and we've discovered that all of the people we call essential workers are the ones we pay least.
2: Yeah. There was... Um, my wife, who's brighter than me and more interested in economics, gave me this uh, terrific story. as was when the banks, um, shut, banks shut in Ireland, and about the same time, or not, the bin men went on strike in um, New York. Which Yeah, which absolutely stopped New York. The banks closed in Ireland. So what they what they did they they did a very as, a, as an old thing that Irish used to do and in fact England used to do, which was that the pub became it was a community hub, and everyone that went in there knew that basically they could trust who went there. They everyone knew each other. So money was lent and borrowed uh, and and, uh, owed and what have you in this place. So Ireland continued to function perfectly well for, um, I think, a number of months. New York, the bin men went on strike and the city stopped. This is how valuable people are that that aren't seen to be of any value.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Has that caused you to look at your own work? And to reassess it,
2: use it. Happens. Well, My own use, yeah.
1: Your own use,
2: yeah, yeah. Because it's it's quite um, it's difficult for me at the moment. I used to work in care homes deliberately because I like I like helping people, as Brian does, and we do this we do this in, in certain different ways. Because Brian is significantly more famous than myself. He can, um, if necessary, pull on different resources. Whereas for me, it's a, it's a generally more a local kind of hands-on way of helping, which this pandemic has completely stopped me doing. Um, which I don't find particularly comfortable because I'm in an extremely an extremely beneficial position. Um, in that I earn money from what I love doing, and I earn enough for, to live off, which is. I I think an extraordinarily lucky position to be in. So I'd like to share some of that, which at the moment is very difficult for me to do. So that's why I said sorry. You should explain explain
0: what you did. Oh yeah,
2: yeah, I beg your pardon. Yeah. Um, So I used to do like kind of sing alongs and dancing, not me dancing, dances in old care homes. so one of the things that is very closely linked is music and language, the centers in the brain. So when people start to um, basically get dementia, uh, you could still play a tune and they'll know all the words that they learned when they were like 16 or something like this. So, so it's, a, it's a it's a very good way of um, basically keeping people's brains working. And of course, physically as well, because there's exercise involved and there's also a lot of social elements because you're talking about the pieces and they'll then start telling stories to each other about, oh, that's where I met my son, uh, my, sorry, my husband, Jack. At this. I had one of those once, I was playing this tune and this little old lady came up and she said, when I met Tom, that was the music we danced to, <laughs> that sort of, those kind of stories. Which is shared amongst, you know, shared in a group. It's got great benefit. So, but I can't do that now because everywhere is closed and uh, kind of cordoned off, you know. So that's why I, that's why I mentioned use. Um, I know people people use what I do, like in theatre and film and all that kind of thing. But they use lots of other people's for to doing that. That's that's quite a basic kind of way of using things, really, isn't it?
1: That's incredible. That's it's I love that you brought that up. And and it does show you that the value of of art in this case music is so emotionally attached. Because it's actually goes back even further than than 16. I mean, people remembering songs, and in the dementia state, my mother has dementia. So I, I mm-hmm. could completely relate to that. And thank you for, by the way, going into those homes and providing that service, because it's absolutely incredible. And are you referring that to the fact that you cannot, you can't get in there right now, I believe is, is the situation, right? You cannot perform.
2: No, exactly, because there's no, um, you know, it's the fear of
1: contagion. Right, and and that is such an important emotional point that actually instantly will bring someone back to life. When you can add that that mm-hmm. musical element, which I know that Brian, with with a lot of things that you have done, um, the the generative work um, with with the apps and, mm-hmm. and things like that, can maybe touch upon that kind of um situation as well both with with what both of you do it is so emotive and even when you come to, to mixing colors you know you think about that record and the question of how do you create a sound for a color
2: i leave it to my brother <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, that's. My part of the job—I <laughs> I do, I do the colours. He does the drawing, and I do the colouring in.
1: That's exactly right. <laughs> Just a colouring book in the end, That's, right?
0: Um, so the title actually of the album came quite late in the whole process. Well, in mm-hmm. fact, the idea of making an album came very late in the whole process. Yeah, yeah. Roger had been sending me MIDI files of piano pieces that he was playing. He, he was playing them. I, I won't explain what MIDI is. Most people, I think, have some idea. Should I explain what MIDI is?
2: Yeah, go ahead. Fire away.
0: Okay, so when you, if you perform at an electronic keyboard, it produces not only noises, but it also produces a stream of information which is basically saying which fingers are hitting which keys, when and how hard. So once you have that information... You can apply that to any electronic keyboard. And the keyboard doesn't have to be playing something like a keyboard sound. It can be playing the sounds of pigeons hooting or of drums or whatever. So, So you can take a keyboard player's actions and transfer any sort of have them trigger any sound source that you want. So what Roger was sending me basically was a record of his actions in playing a piece of music and then i would put those into my computer and then sort of try to tailor a sound that suited that piece and of course the other thing you can do with with this is that you you can change some of the elements of the stream of information for instance i could i could separate his two hands so i could have his right hand playing one sound and the left hand playing a different one or I could slow everything down, or even in one case we did a piece where I switched the MIDI into reverse, so we've got his whole piece played in reverse. So that kind of thing you can do once once you're working in MIDI. MIDI stands for Musical Instrument Digital Interface, by the way, in case your listeners are interested.
2: (laughs) The piece Brian just referred to is called Iris which was turned, ran. And it's one of my favourite pieces on the record. It's just absolutely lovely. And it's something I would never would have done myself.
0: And one of the things that makes that piece interesting is that, of course, being a proper keyboard player, Roger uses the sustain pedal. I don't. I just have everything on sustain all the time. <laughs> 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 he sort of uses it. So, but of course, in reverse, the pedal actions happen yeah. in all the wrong places. They happen sort of at the end of the notes rather than at the beginning. if You see what I mean? So, so it's, it's quite interesting how that works. And it makes, it gives that piece a strange sort of slightly awkward feel to it as though it's yeah. play, played by a, a person who isn't a piano player, basically. Right, which isn't really
2: far off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we we don't have to reveal this part of the truth. I'll, I'll be the non musician. So let's pretend that one of us can do it.
1: <laughs> so you no, said you that... Just, uh, fixing- you said that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> We're buying into all of it, don't worry. So you said that... that- mixing colors i believe did, did you say that it wasn't the it wasn't really the the title and the colors maybe wasn't the concept at what point did you decide that colors needed to be a part of the situation the visual element the idea and did pantone sponsor you just kidding <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice
2: that would have been a good idea <laughs> No, i think that was brian's idea the whole the, the process was that i'd um I'd come to my studio every morning and play a tune. And I'd send these, just because Brian's my brother, it wasn't to go anywhere else. It's just to say, it's like sending postcards to someone, I'd send them to other people as well. Until at a certain point, Brian said, Can you send the MIDI files to go into the process that he's just explained? It then over, over time we kind of became aware that this was um, this was becoming a selection, a collection of pieces. And I can't remember who suggested that. Can you, Brian, is that Ray or you? Um,
0: I put together a whole bunch of them. I had 84, I've got 84 pieces. Um, And I thought these these are such obvious candidates for film music. Mm. So I originally put together a package of about 50 and sent them to our manager because we now share the same manager and said um, you know couldn't you put these out among filmmakers I'm sure there'd be some and he said he said it's a really nice album I really like listening to it so that was when it the idea to make an album came up
2: really. right and the 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 actual name came from we want to avoid titles like "bias a stream or, do you know, do you, do you say, I mean, programmatic titles, basically, yes. because they can get very twee. And also, actually, they can plant um, a seed in people's mind, a, a, an image, which um, we didn't particularly want. Now, to, a way to get around that, which I know this was Brian's idea, uh, was to pick colour, names of colours because you then get a very kind of vague idea of what blue is, but it hasn't got the dictatorial elements of um, a blue door, (laughs) for example. Do you see what I mean? As
0: soon as you say door, for example.
2: Yeah, yeah. A door
0: door means something. It means opening. It means an entrance, another room, something like that.
2: Yeah. So So roughly speaking, we ditched verbs, didn't we? That's the... Yeah. just, Just about it, isn't it? Yeah. Cerulean might have got in there, but um, I don't think there is, a, is there a verb in that
1: whole? There's no, one, I, I think, is there? But there's, at the end, there's a. There's the title that does not uh, sync with the, the colours, but I don't oh, think yeah. there's a verb in there either, is there?
0: Um, no. No.
1: But what it does, though, is you throughout this this process, and I don't even know if you thought about this at the start, but it really does intrinsically tie in the visual with the sound in a way that then morphed into all these different ways and took on these these new lives. So it's Mm -hmm. it's a it's a really it's a really interesting project. Is that?
0: Well, I think what Roger said is true. That we were trying to avoid. Obviously, you want to evoke images, but you don't want to overspecify them. So you, you want to give people a clue that they can use their visual imagination here. Um, but on, on the other hand, you don't want to say "the blue door." Mm. So suddenly they're all looking at a bloody door and thinking, "Where does yeah. What's in
2: that room?" It's not. Yeah exactly. Exactly.
1: Did did this whole conversation, this whole musical conversation that you had together for so long did that contribute to wanting to release new material for the Apollo record in 2019? Was that was that all a, a part of it? How how did that come about?
0: Um I can't remember. How did that come about? That was no,
2: I'm not sure. That was cuz the Apollo uh, was really it was a, it was an it was an anniversary wasn't it that's right yes so it was the the first record was going to be released and we're invited to add to that now i can't remember who invited us to do that can you no but somebody did somebody so that did. they were they were kind of <laughs> they were two different projects but i mean we did Joking apart, we do speak to each other, Brian and I, and uh, like what each other does. So, but unfortunately, we can't remember
1: <laughs> very much at all. Speaking in no, a that's... traditional sense, in addition to the musical sense, which I'm, I'm yeah. just in love with this musical conversations kind of situation between you two because it's it's uh, it's incredibly fitting, and yeah. and you, I mean you you started that. Ages ago, and you've continued that throughout, throughout these years. And it's, it's really, really great to see how, how you have evolved that into projects such as this. Do you think that in your, that your, you know, as you, as you get on in in years a bit, do you feel that that need to reach out more? then has has affected those conversations between you two have you seen that of of cuz you talked about a bit about including people mm-hmm. in the process and as we all get a little bit older and hopefully wiser and hopefully a little more in touch with the world we want to invite more people in and mm-hmm. and it seems like that's that's happened with your music and it seems like with your your own conversations in general maybe you verbalize it Literally, maybe you didn't, but musically? One of
0: the things that happened, I think, was that um, we both had children and mm-hmm. our kids get on very, very well. Yeah, yeah. So My two youngest daughters and Roger's two daughters um, are very close in age. They, they, they occupy about a four or five year period. All four of them were born in. And they sing together. And they sound really great together. Their voices Mm. really work very well together. And so sometimes um, families are kind of reconnected by their children, I think. And then the the other thing that happened was that about six years ago, I bought a house in Norfolk. So I'd been living in London all the time, full time since then, uh, before then. And I bought a house in Norfolk, and it's only about four miles from where Roger is. So we see quite a lot of each other at the moment. Yeah probably, yeah, probably more than we ever have done in the rest of our lives, actually.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, when we do see or used to see each other mostly was when we're, um, like, for example, concentrated periods. Years ago, like that Apollo recording was, um, you know, like months at a time. Mm-hmm. And that makes it very easy, because as you've noticed, we do share a sense of humour. So not only do we work together we tell jokes a lot of the time which makes a working environment just terrific because it's you know it just um you can drop the serious artist mask yeah but between us there's none of that
0: yeah so it makes it, it makes it much easier to to move through ideas quickly because you don't yes. have to kind of apologize every time you don't quite like something you that's just...
1: right <laughs>
0: It's,
1: it sounds like the ultimate collaboration. I think I think a lot of people would would love to have those kinds of collaborations with people, and, and for you two, and I'm sure you do not take it for granted. It it comes so very so very naturally. Mm-hmm. But I'd well, like the, to. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: I, I was going to say that's because we were the elderly brothers.
1: Oh, here <laughs> we go. <laughs> you tied it back in. I have. I have. I'm going to bring up something that you've worked on, Brian the Oblique Strategies deck. So I I pulled one. I know it's probably slightly contrary to the whole idea where it's supposed to be a a lot more random. But I did go through, and I selected something that I wanted to ask and propose to you in in relation to this exhibition that's coming up. And it has a little bit of Clifford Still in it, and I think you know which one I'm going to ask you. Where's the edge? Where does the frame start? Mm
0: Mm-hmm well are you talking about this in relation to the to the show that's on at the moment yes yeah so so this is always a very interesting question for me um and one of the ideas that really started ambient music for me was was the idea of making a music that didn't have sharp edges to it didn't have clear boundaries so i started using a lot of the sorts of sounds that you might hear in the city that aren't intended to be musical sounds, sounds of chains and motors and birds and all the sorts of other things that make noise in the world. And so I, I sort of put those at the edge of the music so that you would not know where the music ended and you would start to listen to everything else that was going on as though it was part of the music. So, so that was a, a sort of exercise in edge shifting, if you like you know saying the music instead of being six inches across is six feet across and and it fades out slowly to the edges Um, but the the question in general means well framing is very interesting a lot of art is about framing things I mean there's an obvious sense in which that's true but there's a less obvious sense as well which is that how you present something and the context in which you present it, the frame in which you present it, is often the key to its power. It's often mm-hmm. often what makes it powerful because the frame tells you to take a certain um, attitude in relationship towards it. It's in fact a frame says separate this off from the rest of the world and pay special attention to it. Um, so you know that since since the 1920s or so that's become a technique of artists to, to take a commonplace object and to put a frame around it
2: Mm-mm.
0: and to suddenly sort of release something from it in that way so i think i think that's something we do in music quite a lot as well
1: with this exhibition it it, it becomes a very interesting idea because where where is the frame and you talked about city sounds this is in the heart of the city so mm-hmm. it's it's incorporating all of that you can't just turn off the the horns and the and the buses and the and the traffic
0: <laughs> no so
1: it really incorporates those sounds
0: yeah yeah um i i really wish i could i wish i could hear it <laughs> it's so sad that this whole lovely show will happen and the two of us won't get to see it.
1: <laughs> I hope something is it being, can happen. That, is
2: it being
1: you know, that is it being film- I would love to find out. I mean, I, I will gladly take some some video uh, myself and send it to you. I, yeah, do that. yeah, I would happily do that. And I hope that there's someone that with greater skills that is doing that if, if they are not, I'd be very surprised. This is a, you know, there's so much anticipation for this installation and there will be people on hand to document it. And I, I am sad too, that you aren't able to actually experience it because it's, it's a true outreach. It's a true, uh, I don't know, it's, it's an infusion to the artistic community and to the lovers of art Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's incredible.
0: I thought you were going to stop at the word lovers.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And on that bombshell.
1: (laughs) I really appreciate all of the time. And again, all of the artistic output that you have put out into the world, both of you. Amazing. And so many are grateful. And thank you so much for sharing this with Los Angeles. We are grateful. And we hope to bring you here somehow to show our gratitude and to express our appreciation.
0: Thank you. It's been a, it's been a real pleasure talking to you.
1: It's been lovely, Liz. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.
2: Okay. Bye-bye. See you tomorrow, Brian. Bye-bye. Tomorrow bye-bye. bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. yeah.
1: The Mixing Colors Outdoor Installation features 100 finalist entries from the online project A Quiet Scene and is free and open to all. It can be experienced by visiting the Jerry Moss Plaza just outside the Music Center in downtown Los Angeles through February 21st. The Music Center and Dub Lab have also created a new initiative called A Quiet Scene L.A., inviting filmmakers of all stages to submit a short original film reflecting Los Angeles during current times. Visit musiccenter.org to find out how to participate. I'm Liz Warner. Thank you for listening to DubLab, community-supported radio based in Los Angeles.